Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we push a perfect stranger out of the way, step on our hand and give her an elbow to the forehead as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 114th episode in the series, Have Yourself a Very Little Christmas. Such a violent introduction. (laughs) (laughs) But I did it anyway. But I did it anyway. Uh, fun fact, I used to work at Toys R Us in high school and, uh, Christmas season was basically what you'd expect. <laughs> exactly this. I had to oh, call yeah. the cops on a lady one time. She didn't believe oh I was going to do it. But... Tickle me Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little, I forget when, when was Tickle Me Elmo? It was a little after my time. It was like 2000 or something. Yeah. Probably about like the late nineties, early 2000s. Yeah. Maybe I, I can't remember, but there was definitely like you know, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And Yu-Gi-Oh cards, yes. That was like just stupid. Anything Pokemon too was like really at that point and, and just like limited action figures. The Star Wars re-release, that was like one of them too. And oh my gosh, very yeah. silly. People are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's like all, because I feel like my brother's uh, about six, five and a half years younger than me. And yeah. I feel like all of that's probably when you were working there. Like when right. his, he's <laughs> right. super into Yu-Gi-Oh and like Pokemon and all that. Um, Wow. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Seen some scenes. It was a very funny first job. It was great. Um, But, uh, you know, well, speaking of, I mean, are they they fighting over a Batman hat? I guess like what, you know, we are, we are in the Tim Burton era. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I guess that's what it is. The golden age. (laughs) Who is Robbie? (laughs) I have some questions. Um, (laughs) Maybe Kate and Dennis had a kid on the side and we never heard about it i don't know perhaps a burgeoning podiatrist we'll see yeah (laughs) we never hear about him again either so (laughs) exactly exactly so great oh man but i i i kind of like you know i like the beginning the sleigh bells in the intro it's kind of a nice touch you know it's hard to make it's hard to make the exterior of of a florida seem christmassy (laughs) so yeah it's really nice yeah yeah go ahead no, I was just gonna say, like, I, um, you know, the idea of Christmas shopping in general, in person, I feel like since it's been available, I've always shopped online. Yeah. Um, but I'm really not a big fan of, like, the idea of giving gifts just to give gifts, which we've talked about. I know we talked about this, yeah. uh, the Christmas episode with, um, meanwhile, the podcast specifically, because George loves Christmas and he loves right. the Golden Girls. Um, that is but- It is unique, (laughs) but you know, the idea of Christmas shopping in 103 degree heat is like, I think I would just forego it. (laughs) Yeah. You put everybody cash. You're like, fuck this, whatever. Yeah. My bank, one stop. (laughs) Exactly. Draw some names. Whose names? I don't care. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like, yeah, as, as adults, we really have been fortunate to not have to have to do that right with online shopping availability. And like, I'm sure we are not the only ones that are pleased about that actual turn of events <laughs> yeah. the way that the world works but pretty fascinating thanks al gore oh my gosh oh, no. <laughs> thanks al gore <laughs> um but i do i really love you know roses hey like it's, it's, it's just so, so cute. cute and she times everything perfectly where she like hangs it up and claps it's really great yeah and i know we joke about charlie loving christmas you know but like I do, I feel like Rose and presumably Charlie did really lean into the holidays in a way that like was beyond just, <laughs> you know, your classic loving Christmas sort of thing. Um, and even her just like being unbothered by the heat and unbothered by like 
the crowds and, and, you know, having to be convinced to not have to buy gifts for all of them just feels like exactly in line with how I imagine her, she is around the holidays. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, the, the Christmas spirit and also like whether you're looking at it from like a Jesus perspective or just like a American holiday generic perspective. It's like the whole idea is that you have like faith and that you put on a happy face and that you believe there's good in the world. And like, like that is literally the spirit of Christmas, which is the spirit of Rose. Right. That's true. They're one and the same. So it's like, it's just cute. It's cute to see her, you know, getting super giddy and then having, you know, Dorothy punch someone in the store. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's quite the contrast, but I feel like that's the representation. That's what it's like for people. Um, I love the comment about, um, speaking of like, you know, gifts to just give gifts, right? Like, and it's difficult, especially with kids where you're like, when adults give bad gifts and she was talking about the, the, the Snow White and Seven Dwarfs soap, um, after a bath, they look like seven suppositories, like absolutely <laughs> perfect. Yeah, that's familiar. I think if you, um, on one side of my family, I have like a million cousins, but the other side for a really long time, I was the only kid. And so I do feel like adults, particularly adults, like older adults with no kids or grandkids, like really struggled for what to get me. But like, you know, my great uncle felt like he needed to bring me something and it would be like soap on a rope. And I would be like, what the fuck am I gonna do with it? Like, I'm six. I'm six. <laughs> I <even> like that. <laughs> so I get it. I relate to that. Well, it's funny because there's also like the other side of things with which is what people do. And definitely people in my family have done like this Merry Christmas Sports Illustrated subscribe. Oh my God. I love it. It's such a funny It's such gag. a good gag, right? And it's like, especially for like the magazine subscription era, which we are so wholeheartedly in. It's not even funny. Um, but the uh, funny anecdote about that is that one of my, my mom had given like our old tell like I think maybe probably our first phone that ever had an answering machine you know with like a <laughs> tiny tape the tiny cassette tape in there um and she had donated it to one of like my her cousins was like collecting things for like a girl scout sale you know whatever it is so she you know she's like she gives her like a bunch of things that they were gonna like sell at the yard sale to benefit the girl scouts whatever i actually don't know why she was involved in girl scouts because she did not have a daughter herself but either way um like years later maybe like eight years later my mom's other cousin calls her and she's like yeah it was like right after christmas and she's like yeah so i got this um present from diane it's a phone and i pushed the answering machine and it's peter's voice my dad's voice <laughs> on the voicemail <laughs> and she had just re-gifted whatever you know my mom gave wow it was all a scam she was never involved with the girl scouts yeah, at all exactly. <laughs> it's just so funny it's like yep this is just like all there's there's all kinds right of like thoughts and feelings about giving gifts and other things like that and just like this swapping back and forth re-gifting uh issue it's just hilarious so i the sports illustrated subscriber just cracks me up (laughs) here i put a lot of thought into this you don't have a baseball clock do you yeah i like it a lot i think it's a really funny gag and it's like you know it's so um he tries all the time, I think, to sort of make an entrance and um, like deflect the reason that he's really here. And he always sort of tries flattery or, you know, like, um, or gifts even. I feel like it's very typical of him to, to do that. But yeah. even this feels just like so much 
so little effort went into it, even from Stan, that I think, um, you know, like he starts out so low here and we'll, we'll certainly get into this, but I think this is probably the worst Stan, is, Stan ever is. I agree. So he's awful. Well, I, that or taking advantage with the heart attack, honestly, is pretty shitty. But, yeah. But honestly, like, yeah, I actually am less mad at him in the episode where he talks about a prenup than <laughs> when they're about to get married again than I am in like either the heart attack episode or this one and I think you're right and I I have even from the get-go like the resounding no that all four of the girls tell him like it's super classic and it's very funny but it also speaks to how ridiculous and dumb like the recurring stan parasite visit is you know like it's just right. like they're so practiced in it and it's really fucking sad. It's just like everything about it is like he he sort of spoils it like immediately. And then like to your point, as we'll get to when we, when we visit the soup kitchen, like, man, it's rough. It's like, ah, Stan, this is literally a worse self. Yeah. And like, so he asked them also for a thousand dollars, which is, you know, like so much money, like that we've already established that they can't. <laughs> afford a roof that's five thousand dollars divided by them you know like so um i want to see how much a thousand dollars would be in today's money so it would be about oh, um, i was like i i already looked it up <laughs> yeah so you know it's like 22 is that it's, what you got that yeah like 23 exactly yeah like twenty three thousand. Yeah. i mean i'm sorry yeah tw tw 2300 i should say <laughs> Twenty three thousand. Yeah. jesus that's yes, inflation, inflation like crazy <laughs> yeah slow down <laughs> i know oh my god but yes yeah, so that's a ridiculous amount of money that's like each of their you know that's almost uh two thousand a piece <laughs> almost and like you know that much cash at christmas especially like who's got that much extra money ever and certainly during the holidays i'm like they're obviously spent. it's just it's so out of reality and like i think that like speaks to your point of like the ridiculousness of his continued not only his continued visits but his continued like backdoor asks for handouts or you know like it's, it's just mooching so, it's just yeah so moochy exactly yeah and you're a grown man dude like it's yeah it's really rough um also want to point out in that scene that blanche is reading her book again <laughs> i know i saw that too <laughs> it's like it's just oh, the reader. prop for this season it's just <laughs> yeah. sitting around it's hilarious so um anyway so so stan exits right and then they're all talking about christmas and how difficult things are you know are, are and um you know dorothy <laughs> dorothy of course goes on you know she she's got a little sentimentality on her too right so she's like when i think of christmas i think of christmas in new york the decorations in macy's window the show at radio city skaters and the ice at mitsubishi center mm -hmm. so it's funny right i remember watching this as a kid i don't know if you do too and you're like that's not the name of it <laughs> it's, it's rockefeller Center. so so in 1989 like this when this episode aired and this there was a deal um with like you know i mean the in the 1980s like japan was like gonna have the largest economy in the world right like that was their expectation there was so much like speaking of gifts right electronics and, and just like everything that japan was exporting and they were just massive um so they actually apparently the japanese started to buy like a lot of u.s property in you know it especially in new york city <laughs> so there there was like the big the big prize was that they bought was like rockefeller center so it was supposed to be named um i mean I don't think it was supposed to be renamed anything, but like Mitsubishi Estate, 
um, was the real real estate company of like Mitsubishi Group, like the, the car company. And that that's what she was cracking a joke, like it was going to be imminently renamed. <laughs> Mitsubishi wow. Center. Isn't that funny? So, which is really funny. And then like in 1995, apparently like the, in the early nineties, like the Japanese economy went, you know, bottoms up. And then Mitsubishi in 1995 was forced to pass it uh, over to Rockefeller Center Properties Incorporated. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Look at that. That makes so, sense. That's a dig. That's a very timely real estate dig. <laughs> I mean, it's so timely and it's funny. I think, you know, we discussed this before and we're going to be seeing more and more of like super um, of the moment references in these latter seasons, right? Like that's kind of the new writer's bag. And I think it's like their ability to move more swiftly and like sort of connect it more to like the popular, <laughs> the zeitgeist, if you will. <laughs> it's like not only with like storylines, but even just references. Um, Matt Browning's book is going to be even more invaluable uh, when we we hit these, you know, our stride here in, in season five, six, and seven. So anyway, it's just really funny because it's like, it's such a small moment in time, right? It's like 1989 between that and 1995. But it's like, there you go. The joke is there for posterity. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because like, I feel like those are, that's where Matt Browning's book is going to come in more useful. I feel like shine. for me, like, you know, just like, yeah, like, celebrities names and things like that I feel like I have looked up a lot of those just from like my time frankly watching Golden Girls or just like in other other things but yeah there's so many of these jokes that are like they're reminiscent I feel of more modern sitcoms which makes sense because yeah. this is like tv moving to the 90s which obviously also like bleeds through into the 2000s um but it's really uh just that piece is really interesting to compare like first season second season even to now um whereas like there's a lot of these references that you wouldn't you know like that just like breezes by you can move through you the audience does laugh a little bit so I feel like you know yeah. there's something there um but I'm sure most people watching the reruns prior to this book just kind of breeze past it you know so that's yeah. that's a really interesting or just confused book. like me yeah <laughs> that's not the name <laughs> yeah is there another skating center <laughs> yeah exactly god damn um, I, so I, I love that, you know, I've been thinking, oh, that would explain the beads of sweat. It's, it's like that, that line is great. It's like, it's kind of a reductionist joke. I kind of like remember it as like more of like a drier delivery instead of like almost giddily as, as Blanche announces it, but like just Betty wipes kind of subtle brow wipe and like big eyes and smile after big it is smile priceless. it's so great yeah it's so great and she's like oh yeah you can see that you know it's so it's <laughs> yeah. a really funny exchange because she, yeah she's focusing like away from her brow but she just sort of like rubs her hand oh god it's so good it's just again like like funny line but the physicality of the delivery from all parties just really pushes it over the edge <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally um so I you know they obviously do like what we call a secret Santa, what has also been called a Pollyanna around where I'm from. Um, Pollyanna? What is that? Pollyanna. Why? I don't know. That's what it's called in like South Jersey, Philadelphia. I don't know. I, Those I'm, are so weird. I know. <laughs> like, can we ever just call things what they are? I'm a big um, fan of Pollyanna, but I'm, I'm not sure I even get that reference. It's just like something to be glad about. Uh, what? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's like, I don't know what it's from. It says, the definition is just customary fun exchange between people. Um, there doesn't seem to be any type of real explanation, which 
it's probably just somebody made it up. Like, I don't know what the origin of the word hoagie is, but I imagine somebody just, just made, made it, it up, up and it stuck. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so like, I, I love A Secret Santa. I um, love to sort of try to deduce, you know, who has who. Um, and I feel like for big groups, especially, it's really, really good. Like my friends, uh, a group of my friends and I do one, there's probably about like 10 of us, which is great. But when I was growing up, you know, I have like 30 cousins. And so it was oh, really the real? only way to, for like the whole family to do, do it without being broke. <laughs> right. Do it without being broke and also do it without like playing politics a little bit, you know, cause like you can't really get gifts just for like your favorite mm. nieces and nephews. You gotta... <laughs> So anyway, it solves a lot of problems. And I think even here, like with this small group, um, it makes sense in certain, in this circumstance. Um, and it saves them money and they all stand an equal chance of having their Christmas ruined. So it's a very fair <laughs> way to do this, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes total sense. The, uh, the I buy for Ma high five just so kicks ass. So great. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> uh, also, um, another gift giving anecdote about like styles right so like my in-laws just like they're kind of like you they, they don't know how to keep a secret <laughs> they, they just don't it, it's just not part of their dna like we'll we'll we were watching sitting down to watch like ted lasso for the first time and they're like have you seen this before i was like no not at all like i'm excited like to watch it and they're like oh great and then like two minutes later um, my mother-in-law is just like, well, I know you haven't seen it, but you know, like there's this episode with like this person and then black, and then she like gives away this plot point. Like, As you're watching. In. <laughs> I was like I, we literally just started this. So I just love like, you know, Rose, like, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but in a couple of the weeks, someone in this room's going to know how to yodel. Like it is like a, a great Rose innocent thing where she's like, she doesn't think she's giving away enough information, like right. to make it a spoil. <laughs> but but she obviously totally is which is amazing yeah and she's so happy like rose is so happy and so in addition to like in that same sort of vein she's also so unaware that they don't want her like she, it never crosses her mind literally um, never which is nice this it is makes fun it seem, yeah it makes it much nicer i feel like it could easily go mean if they if they revealed that um but even even though blanche is like sitting there like visibly upset um rose doesn't pick up on it which i think is a really really um like smart way to do this scene because it just makes it purely fun and funny and not any bit of like there's no uh malice in there you know yeah, which i think exactly is nice. which is nice because they've obviously had that before but like to be quite honest like with this is a very packed episode in terms of like storyline and what they want to get across so there's actually no time to cover it even if rose was upset right. you know? that's true but you're right it is it's like just much nicer to the spirit of the episode you know it's it's like the same thing where it's like you know i made dessert damn what'd you say oh yeah. yum i said yum <laughs> also uh absolutely love the what kind of gift is dental floss because my father receives and loves dental floss every christmas um <laughs> great stocking stuffer <laughs> exactly and going back to yet again you know a phil's absence but another reference to cross-dressing a catalog item <laughs> yeah she's speaking a magazine subscription yeah so good LLB. yeah <laughs> 
Oh man. Um, all right. So let's talk about, well, first I love that Rose can't find cookie cutters. And so she just defaults to American flags and Liberty bells. I know. Um, like, and then great... you see, it's not even just the shape. Like she literally painted the flag with all of the icing in the proper yeah. colors. She, she's got to commit to it. Um, but you know, she gets Blanche gets something crotchless like she wanted. And it's, um, oh my God, that is the funniest line. <laughs> it's so naive like this whole rose is like just so peak like quote-unquote dumb rose you know um sweet rose and then it's very on brand for her to be volunteering with her church um for christmas and like also all the girls kind of picking up and deciding to go also feels very um you know like what they would do um yeah and I kind of also like that too that's like a nice holiday thing or like a vacation yeah. thing where you can be spontaneous and be like yeah I actually am in a good mood like I'm gonna do this you know yeah totally him. but I rented also- Scarface <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna say like if you don't have any real plans besides a rented movie um I also feel like sometimes the holidays from my experience like the actual holiday day can be a little boring and a little like yeah if you're not doing something big I feel like it can be a little um almost disappointing and so I feel like to fill your time with something that is um constructive in addition to being like filling time for you is is a great way to spend the holiday um and you can unload all the fruitcakes so uh (laughs) we got to talk about the reverend because he's a pretty progressive is he a reverend I think he is yeah uh, it could be a he's dressed like a priest but I believe he's called a reverend (laughs) maybe perhaps but real quick two two more things two more notes on um the uh the at home scene uh obviously it's a beautiful saint sigmund's day without the headless boy line (laughs) (laughs) the perfect example of a nonsensical rose comment that i really do love where it's like completely not explained similar to her like I'm just going to like go about my business and not have any idea that anybody was like afraid of my gifts. You know, I'm just going to like drop that and be like, obviously the hellest boy. And they all have this <laughs> wonderful puzzled look on their face. You get it. You know, it. I know exactly. <laughs> but back to the, um, the cookies and the Liberty bell and the flag comment. Right. So we're mm-hmm. about to launch into hyper progressive reverend here. And then <laughs> Dorothy goes, so I wonder where president Bush stands on eating the flag. Yeah. Because, like, this is obviously the HW Bush, you know, era. Uh, he hated flag burning, but the Supreme Court upheld the right to do it during his presidency, which is pretty fascinating. So, um, again, with like a really timely, you know, of the moment con- uh, comment that that gets a, a bunch of laughs because it's just it's so pertinent. So, I mean, that also, you know, we lead into the great communicator <laughs> comment from said priest slash reverend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point because it does kind of like set it up when when and then Sophia like takes a bite of the cookie that's shaped like a flag and I'm like all right that feels like the writer's thing is dance um yeah, exactly yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so the the priest slash reverend slash religious uh we'll just call him like a religious leader um he is he's great I feel like he's such a good representation of like um you know like what a faith-based leader uh should be doing which is like he seems to have a really um, grounded perspective in what they're doing, which is obviously wonderful and great. And it's like very important to serve um, these people food and particularly on Christmas, whatever. But like, you know, he, he makes a point several times, I think really of talking about how this is a solution for today 
and these people have incredibly pressing needs and like he's not equipped to address them and it reminds me slightly of um the nursing home guy at sunny pastures when he has this revelation of like you're right it's not a good place but we don't have any money and there's no way to do it so we're doing the best we can and it's like like chipping away at the problem right like addressing what they can even though the major thing is or you know like the cause is not being structural totally yeah no i love that and i i even have in my notes too and what really struck me he he goes on what would be described as a rant if he wasn't just like you know (laughs) like a calm spoken reverend guy is that (laughs) he actually says like i'm supposed to look after their spiritual needs but even i can't help but like think that they have needs that are far more pressing and he's taught i mean he's talking about maslow's hierarchy of needs like you need to fucking eat and have a place to sleep that's that's safe and warm and like it is like it's just it's so pointed and it's easy to I don't know if it's easy to sort of like write over this scene, but like it's um it's just interesting in thinking of like they actually address the issue, which comes up a lot of like people are very giving during the Christmas season is what you're supposed to do. And yes, not in Florida, but places like New York, et cetera, like are colder. So there's coat drives and there's more of, you know, there's Salvation Army and there's more like giving and like thinking about people and then like immediately forgetting about it. <laughs> right. like they talk about it. What are they going to do the rest of the year? And he's like, I don't know. And that's like, it's like, it's really fucking heavy if you're actually paying attention to what he's talking about. Yeah, no, it totally is. And I think they do a good job. Like he does a very good job. The actor is very good, like sort of standing up to them. And um, there's funny bits like woven throughout this scene, which I feel like to your point, you could kind of miss the heavy, heavy yeah. messaging of it. Um, there's that's one for the theologians. Roast. Like I love that. Oh my so god! Much. Like that's such a great line. Ahead? Um, <laughs> but you know, like the main, yeah, like the main messaging is this is great for today, but what's going to happen? And that I think kind of hanged over the rest of the episode, which is also why it's so easy to find like to hold Stan in so much contempt for his behavior here because like you don't feel bad for him because you're already sort of like or I don't know I don't feel bad for him because you're already like hit with the reality of that and then Blanche has that line where she's like I never thought there'd be children like they're all kind of experiencing it right so like we're all like the audience and the characters I guess are kind of living it together yeah exactly I mean he like again the priest spells it, you know, priest reverend spells it out. He's like, you know, I wonder if the great communicator's vision, like, included people sleeping on gratings in the street. There's no affordable housing. The rents keep going up and up. The minimum wage has been held down. That's a very specific choice of words on the part of the writers, by the way. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like, Did he time travel? Is he uh, in 2022? Yeah, is he talking <laughs> about 2022? It's the same exact shit. Oh my God, oh, I literally Lord. have insanely relevant today in my notes here. But, but, but to your point about like Stan being like the saddest sack is like Dorothy actually, you know, again, as the voice of reason, but also channels what at least audience members like you and I are thinking, which is just like, why you, why them? And like, she is irate, you know, she actually says, first of all, she's yelling at him, like at the table with everybody else, which I think is hilarious. And like, she goes, this is probably the only Christmas these kids are ever going to have. And I'm like, oh my God, that is, that is fucking dark, but like could be true. And that's messed up. Right. Like that's, I don't think I've ever 
like really caught that line and what it truly means <laughs> because like that's I don't know that's just messed up yeah no and another um another takeaway that I had was when um they're talking about Sam with the reverend priest and he says um the suddenly poor are all around us which I think is really really poignant and yep. again like such powerful writing because um you know like most people, the thing is, I think we've, we've said this exact thing on a, another episode, but most people who live below the poverty line don't live there their whole lives. Like it's a fluctuation thing because most people's circumstance change with wages and changes with right. their housing and all of that. And so like the idea that somebody like Stan, for example, could find themselves at this level of like economic insecurity might feel kind of bizarre to somebody who's like, no, he is a job, you know, but it's true. And, and Rose comes up against it in this episode or, I mean, in this, uh, in the show. Yeah. And, the you know, Sophia talk- yeah, exactly. So I think it's like, it's another illustration. It's a lot of there's, which, you know, we reference all the time, but like there's so many digs at how badly Reagan and HW um, fucked up the economy and particularly like didn't care at all about poor people. And so like, it's just another sort of representation of that. Um, and Stan is just like such a fucking baby. Like it's so difficult to feel bad for him, but I feel like you you could if he was behaving differently, but he's just, yeah, to your point, he's like bringing down the homeless. He, and, and you know what else? <laughs> like, oh, so frustrating to me. I have my notes like, why the emotional labor that Dorothy oh. has to take on to help Stan feel better is so frustrating to me. But like, to be honest, though, she doesn't have to. I think like actually what's kind of amazing is like she you know, he's like, you're not the only ex-wife I you I have. And, and she's like, so why do you keep bothering me? And he goes, you're the only one who answers the door. And like literally when he said that, it's like, haha, And it's funny. But I'm like, actually, Dorothy, that's a good fucking point. Stop answering the door. Stop. Yeah. Like, because, you know, the whole, again, what's also funny where she's like, I got to go make him feel like a whole man. She's like, you need anything? <laughs> like, yeah, half a man. <laughs> it's like, it's a very funny line, but it's also like, to your point, the emotional labor, why is this your responsibility? It's actually not. Just because you f- share children with this man, children who are fully grown, by the way, oh. and you're punching people for their grandkids, you know, their children, uh, birthday, uh, Christmas <laughs> presents. <laughs> Like you, you're out girl. You're totally out. Like you don't have to deal with it. And it's really, it's, it's, yeah, it's just reprehensible, honestly, in the way that he behaves here. Like to your point, you could feel bad for him maybe slightly because of the downturn if he wasn't whining. And like, he has a pure inability here to see anyone outside of himself. And to be quite frank, like they celebrate him at the end, but like, what you did the bare minimum like give me a fucking break i i'm really i just dislike really disliking him in this episode yeah no he's really bad and i feel like okay so he comes back with toys after his little like come to jesus moment i guess but he still spent dorothy's money and like well here's my question though did he go ahead I, i always thought he spent her money on the gifts but the first thing he pulls out of the bag is a fire truck is are those the late fire trucks that he was referring to early on and did he just get a big bag of fire trucks 
Yeah, because he spent the money on flowers. He says he spent $60 on the flowers uh, right. on his wife. So he spent her money somewhere else, not even there. But right. the point is, like, she's financially, in addition to some, like, emotionally supporting him. And, um, you know, like, just, it was not that long ago that we were dealing with the same thing with Michael. Um, and now <laughs> she's just long back in it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I know. And then, like, yes, like, it's hard to break those habits for sure. But, like, yeah, if there was ever... <laughs> If there was ever a time to take a page out of Chrissy and Catherine's books, like just stop answering the door and the phone. Yeah. Your wife threw you out. I had no idea she was that bright. Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. Oh my God. Seriously. Holy shit. Oh man. Um, I really, so uh, a couple notes uh, peppered throughout all of these conversations. I love that they talk about eels for a Sicilian Christmas dinner, which I, I assume is just like a reference to the Feast of the Seven Fishes for like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, as well as <laughs> we all go home and smoke kippers. Why? Oh, it's because it's the best way to get your house to smell like kippers. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's just yet like that. It's just like the headless boy. It's just like breezes right through no explanation. And just she just keeps going. It's wonderful. Um, and also, so Big Daddy being part owner of a donut shop does not seem on brand. No, I don't. I, that was probably a front for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Front for book burning or something. Yeah. Along those lines. <laughs> oh, God. But I like um, that, what it sets us up for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty, it's nice. It's nice. A rash. Um, <laughs> We also get the uh, other bestiality joke. <laughs> the rumors would start. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you that when we started doing this podcast, I didn't expect that to be a running theme. I know, <laughs> right? Quite a bit of it. it is amazing. But honestly, back to the biggest theme too, I think especially with the hindsight that we have now in 2022 and the situation that we're in economically as a country with poverty, with a lack of social safety net, all of the shit that is still, you know, not trickling down from these absolute fuckers back in the eighties is like, to your point of how pointed and how many times it comes up that the writers and other, you know, the people involved, the golden girls really want to impress upon people that like, it's not a bootstrap situation, right? You make individual choices, but everyone is part of a system. And if the system is set up to fail, people will fail regardless of their personality, of their gumption, of their spirit, of their like worth, you know? And it's just so sad that so many people, not to mention so many people in charge of making policy don't understand that today. It's still this ridiculous American bootstrap rhetoric and that if you fail, you're a bad person. And it's just, it's, it's really gross. Yeah. It's gross. And also like, it doesn't make any logical sense because I think the other side of that argument is often like, well, look at this, look at this one case of somebody who did it. Yeah, and, like, you know, there's, right. There's always like some circumstance or whatever that that person was able to do it and like sure there's anecdotal examples of almost anything but if most people can't uh, like ascend economically or financially from where the place that they were born in that's a reflection of a failure of policy yeah. it's not like one person being able to do it or you knowing the story of like one guy who started a business and is now a millionaire is not 
an indication that small business and hard work equals success. In fact, like there's no support. And so if you stumble like Stan, for example, that's what happens. Like there's no, there's, it's not even like human error or any type of error. It's just that like, there's no support. So if you get sick, that's it. If you, you know, like if something happens and you can't work and you have to make your housing payments or something, there's no support anywhere. Yeah. So one little misstep throws it all off. That's not a good system. <laughs> no. And I, I think to your point, like we as humans, but specifically as Americans are so individualistic and we are so, um, you know, we, we really, we gravitate to that storytelling of those exceptions, right. Um, of it rather than the rule, like, like, it's just basically like, oh, you know, you can have these like 20 million people that failed and this one guy who like did well, it's like, that's of course the exceptional story. So that's what you see in the media and that's the stuff that gets reinforced, but like a sea of nameless people who have all failed, like that's, that's not, that's not what you can, you can't like gravitate towards that, right? As like something that sticks in your mind. So it is like a little bit psychological and it's also the way that our media plays out and also the way that even like today where they're like, isn't this a heartwarming story? This little six-year-old gave his lunch (laughs) money to another kid that was starving. And you're like, no, this is not heartwarming. Like, yes, that's an amazing thing. But like, why is there a six-year-old starving? You know, like, I mean, this is like, this is the kind of stuff where like, I really, I, I appreciate, and it gives me hope that a lot of people do are, are starting to question this more, um, or at least it seems to be so, but it's also incredibly disheartening that you're again, again, we are watching an episode, like a 30 year old episode. And it's like playing out as if we are living in the present day. Yeah, the the circumstances described in this one are especially relevant, like the inflation yeah. and the housing costs and all of that. Um, yeah, and like the, the, it just boggles the, my mind that some people like can't see it. It's like, think about how many people play high school basketball and think about the one LeBron James. That is not right. indicative of what playing basketball as a kid does for you. It's not, it's one extremely special circumstance. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, it's just, it, it's really watching these in a row um and living as you said like now it's pretty wild to see how much nothing has moved I mean like things have moved obviously like inflation's gone up and down but like we keep coming back to these same issues and they all come back to this point of like there's no social safety net in America that's it that like that's where we go Yeah, it's like same bottom line with other Western countries being like, what are you guys doing? We've had this for a long time. Not that they don't have their problems, but like we don't even have that base level security, you know, or healthcare or anything like that. It's just, ugh, it's such a mess. But yeah, all we got is guns. Anyway. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> I do want to call out just the one funny line that we didn't talk about, which is like the larks are, aren't eating birds. They're singing birds. They don't sing long in Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. You know, we, whenever we get a window into uh, the, uh, the intensity of Sicily is always, it's always a good time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Could I, be worse don't, for us. I don't think I've ever had eel prepared, like in any sort of Sicilian Italian manner. I feel like I've only had it in Japanese food. Yeah, me, me too. And that's what I wrote. Like, 
that's also such a reflection of I feel like cuisines um, and Americans like being comfortable with cuisine because I would say that eel sushi is like maybe like third or fourth down on what people who start eating sushi like try you know like it's yeah. not it's not like a sea urchin and it's not a California roll but I feel like it's closer <laughs> to California roll that's true that's very true well, to be fair, it is typically covered in sauce. So, you know, there's- Yeah, it's that. great. I really recommend it. <laughs> I know, exactly. Eels are great on Christmas or otherwise. <laughs> Eels? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, do you have any more for this one? No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> well, join us next time. We're going to discuss a non-spinoff spinoff and maybe what 10 years in the juggle do to you. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>